0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's 30 days of time, baby. Rip City is jumping now. Okay, Brindle, up the middle. Oh. Oh. Right. Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 310th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: sage kicking it live and direct in uh beaverton oregon telling dustin about how i'm totally not washed when i went out on a friday night and came home at 10 o'clock that same night but uh
0: it's the dream it really is the dream like i i look back and i'm like you don't need to be staying out until two buying out the bar you get your tolerance so low that one beer you're good You you don't need to get drunk. Just one beer, you get a nice solid feeling, and it's cheap, and you're cutting calories. Like these are life hacks from the Holy Backward Podcast. One brew, you're good to go, and you're also not really fucking up your liver too bad, too. So you know, keep keep that in mind. So there are so many benefits of your 30s, Sage, and I am so excited to hear about them as you've just kind of gotten on to this this decade. It's 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 the the best it has definitely been my favorite decade so far
1: well and and i indulged quite a bit in my early 20s so like at one point in time my tolerance was very high and now it's been years since i really drank uh so it was like a high alcohol beer got me sending you Fucking my franchise, Madden franchise development texts all throughout that night. You were <laughs> like, popping
0: off about Chris Olave. Like, you would. woof.
1: Oh, man. In my Madden franchise, I feel like such a nerd talking about my Madden franchise. But here we are. Chris Olave is the best wide receiver in Madden. Better than Cooper Cup. Better than everyone. He just somehow finds a way to get open. So I just feed and feed and feed Chris Olave. He's doing really well in real life too, but in Madden franchise on my franchise, dudes like dude is the goat.
0: So that was your Friday. Did you have a tough Saturday or were you able to recover pretty nicely?
1: Honestly, I'm not going to lie like I was I was in bed, bro. <laughs> I played 2K and I was in bed. Now that, that that was that was the weekend, bro.
0: <laughs> hey, I mean, the fall weekends for me are Saturday college football. And, you know, we'll go for walks, but like my Sunday, the parents stopped by, brought us some baby stuff. We went and got coffee and then we spent like an hour trying to attach the car seat into the car. And then we just watched scary movies like that's, Did you complete the task or is it? Oh, yeah, we we got it done. Like (laughs) there's there's no like when I set my mind to something, I'm like as frustrated as I can get we're still going to get it done because if I don't get it done, all I'm going to think about is not getting it accomplished. So uh, yeah, we, we, we got it. We're, we're good to go. And uh, you know, tomorrow is Halloween. I'm looking forward to all of the the trick or treaters Um, got the the lights going, going to have some, some music for, for the kids, some spooky music. And uh, yeah, I, I love Halloween. So, so really excited for tomorrow and the, Blazers have been scary good this Mm -hmm. year so far, my friend Sage. They are sitting atop the Western Conference at five and one. They had a two and one week uh, destroyed the divisional rival Denver Nuggets on Monday, one thirty five to one ten behind the uh, Anferno third quarter for the ages by Anthony Simons. Uh, The unbeaten streak. Came to an end at the hands of the pesky Miami Heat. Uh, Damian Lillard went down with the the game still in question, and Miami kind of took it and ran from there, defeating the Blazers one nineteen to ninety eight. But even without Damian Lillard, the Blazers bounced back and handled the Houston Rockets one twenty five to one eleven to run the record to five and eleven. As I mentioned, 5 and one not
1: five and eleven, five
0: five and one. <laughs> Correct, five and one, best in the West. Sage, obviously the two biggest storylines this week in Rip City are kind of, I think, intertwined because you have Damian Lillard exiting with a non-contact injury. I think all of Rip City collectively held their breaths, were then relieved quickly after once it was announced it was a, a strained right calf going to be reevaluated in 1 to 2 weeks. Clearly you want to take very much precaution when it comes to that area of the leg, anything near the Achilles tendon, you got to go slow. So Dame is on the mend. The big question was who was coach going to start? It ended up being the 19-year-old rookie Shaden Sharp and he performed extremely well. Uh kind of give me your your thoughts um on how you see this team playing this next stretch of games without Damian Lillard. Uh, Clearly they had some experience last year, but it wasn't for a long stretch because then everyone got shut down, but also it is a bit different because the games really count right now. Sage, they're actively trying to win. So where, where do the Blazers go from here? Who should they lean on and can they weather this storm? Because they had such a positive start to the season this was kind of viewed as you know a major setback like here we go again why can't we have nice things but here we are you defeat the Rockets you actually get a nice blessing of a break right here before Mm -hmm. you play the Memphis Grizzlies but then you do hit the road and you're probably going to hit the road without your superstar point guard uh how do you see this folding out how can the Blazers kind of uh right the ship and kind of stay above water right now Sage
1: I think that the stuff we said last week really hasn't been answered in terms of, like, I think Dame and Ant will always have a usage rate. I think then it, it, it always depends on who the third guy is between Jeremy, Josh, and Yusuf. So, now it is without Dame, Ant takes up the usage, Yusuf takes up the usage, and I think then it's between Shade and Jeremy and Josh, who the third guy is going to be. Because I, I think that with with Damian out we have to go with what we know and what we know is Anthony Simon's use of pick and roll is gonna set up the table for everything and I think those two are gonna get really involved a lot especially I I believe it's Memphis without like a without JJJ who are the other who are the
0: other this week it's back to back in Phoenix without DeAndre Ayton
1: I think it's you I think Yusuf has to show that he is deservant of that four-year contract, and he has to show out big because, like...
0: Well, if, if Houston was any sort of a, of a prelude for, for what's to come, I think Portland has to be pretty excited. He, the, the big man goes 27 points, 12 of 17 from the field, 15 rebounds. I mean, he's fourth in the entire league in rebounding per game, three blocks, and he stays out of foul trouble. So if, if that's any... If that's any preview of what's to come, I mean, he should eat against Biombo, and he should eat against Steven Adams.
1: Yeah. I mean, in a mixture of Jabari Smith and uh, Alperin Sangoon is always going to get that usage rate and stats pumping. Like there was no one that could rebound with him. Nobody that could score with him in the, like defend him in the post. That was just easy. So I think this has to be the use of Nurkic week and then whoever that person is in the designated game between Shade and Josh and Jeremy is going to be the third guy. But Ant and Yusuf have to establish that this is where the, the stats go. I mean, when you lose a guy like Damian Lillard with all of his responsibilities, normally it would be, you know, everybody gets some. But when we've seen X number of minutes with Dame on the court, Anthony just soaks all that up. I think that's how the, it's going to go for the entire game. Gary Payton's not coming back. So it's just like, all right, small sample size, of course, but this is how it's been the last six games. Anthony's going to be number one, usage two. And then we're just, everybody's going to get more usage. But, you know, it, the, one of those three has to step up in those games.
0: Yeah, I think the injury, knowing that it's not long-term, to me is just a major blessing in disguise for a, a You don't few change reasons. anything,
1: really. You, you just, Ant's going to be the guy.
0: Yeah, uh, the first reason is hopefully the coaching staff sees that, that Dame isn't 26 anymore. You can't ride him 38 minutes a night. Like hopefully when he returns, they pull back because I guarantee you that's how the calf came about is because it was overexertion after too long of a layoff. And you're just kind of going full throttle. It's like you're running a marathon. You decide to say, I'm going to run 15 miles today without doing any sort of training. Like the We're Blazers trying to pitch need,
1: a baseball game.
0: Yeah, the Blazers need to really pace his mm. minutes. You have Anthony, who is young. You have Shaden, who is young. You have Keon. You also have Gary Payton coming back. Like There are the- other players that can help you out. And I think that's important that they learn that they can't just ride dame like a mechanical bull and he's going to keep going as long as you keep feeding him quarters like no he is a human being you gotta you know press pause a little bit and secondly i you and i both we want to see shade and sharp play exactly this
1: This, this minute this is
0: the year we want to see him develop and it's it's so fun i am so excited to watch games knowing that we get to watch this young kid play in meaningful games That. He is getting opportunities and he has just kind of taken, I think rip city by, by storm. I mean, you, you've got Damian Lillard tweeting about him, how special he is. I mean, you, you see the, the, the bench reactions, like Shaden Sharp, I, I think really is even blowing away my expectations for, for how he's looked and, you know, maybe the numbers aren't going to blow you away compared to some of the other rookies because this has been a very strong rookie class. Yeah, it's I mean, no about, one's going to
1: be Paulo Benchero right now.
0: Yeah, it's all about time and situation. Shaden Sharp is 19 years old. Time is on his side. In situation, he got drafted by a team that is looking to win where he doesn't have to go in and be the first, second, or third option. What I do love about Shaden and there are a lot of things to really like when, when you're watching this kid play. He has taken uh, on, on the season 44 shots. He's taken 44 shots on the season. I can't think of more than one that he has rushed. Everything for Shaden comes within the offense. The first play of that Houston game They have the ball in Anthony's hands. They send someone over to set a screen for him. He curls around. He's catching. He's shooting in that mid-range. Just beautiful jump shot. Then you also see him making plays where he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic goes up for a layup. As Yusuf tends to do, he missed it. Shaden's there for the offensive putback. He's just doing everything you want from him. It, It feels like every time he has the ball, it's just so effortless. He can get any shot he wants off. Uh, some of the moves that, that he's making. You go to that Denver game when he gets the ball in, in the second half in that corner. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., they're, they're trying to close out on him. He just kind of weaves his way through traffic, stops and starts, splits two defenders, lays it in. Uh, beautiful basketball. He's catching and shooting big-time threes with range, like the three he hit against Denver, a couple of steps behind that three-point arc. And then maybe most importantly, Sage, Just that jaw dropping, unreal athleticism that I think is worth way more than two points on the scoreboard. Like, first of all, he's playing the passing lanes and then he cocks it back. Like, you look at the photos, he basically has the ball cupped. Like, I haven't seen that in such a long time. Just a beautiful dunk. And then his ability to know when to cut. And now teams are going to have to pay attention to him, right? Jeremy Grant gets the ball, double-teamed. Shaden sees that, jumps out of the gym, has to kind of stop himself from elevating because he's going to hit the rim. And then he does that in the second half. Yusuf Nurkic gets the ball. He's on one of those smalls you talked about that Houston had. Shaden makes a cut because he sees it's open. What does Houston do? No, they don't go help out on Nurk. They converge on Shaden, and it leaves Nurk on an island where he just goes to work and gets an easy bucket. So you see the impact that he is having in every facet of the game, knock on wood, he has not had any foul trouble for a rookie on the perimeter. Which I is, I thought he
1: did in the Rockets game where he was picking up fouls because I think he, he had only had five.
0: four fouls and he got that fourth foul late in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, because I was looking at his rotate. I didn't watch, I was, I watched the game, I wasn't paying cl- that close of attention, but I, I saw that he picked up his fourth. So obviously, yeah, he was never
0: with... in foul trouble that game.
1: We're going on his our, my favorite site to look at, uh, add more funds. And I'm just, I, he's, I think the thing that we, that I worried about beforehand with Shaden was that he wasn't going to get enough time with the ball. I think that's what, at least for me, I don't know about you, but the, I thought that if he had the ball in his hands, he was going to be able to develop counter moves and dribble moves dog i'm he's such a big part of the offense when he's in the game that like he's he's the fourth guy in terms of usage when he's on the court. It, Anthony and Damian have their humongous usage rates. Holy shit. But Shaden Sharp is like he's not giving away opportunity even when Damian Lillard's in or Anthony Simons is in with him. Like when he gets the ball, he's Making something positive happen. So he's not rushing anything. Mm. He's not forcing shots. Like I
0: was watching him and Jalen Green. Like a lot of people kind of compared the two, both young, both lottery picks. Jalen oh, Green athletic. is chucking five of 19. You know, yeah. ISO heavy, you know, th- this and that. Shaden is is if he, if he doesn't see it he's passing it out like that's what i said like he's not forcing the ball the ball's not sticking in his hands if he sees it he's attacking like he's a very decisive player and what's so crazy to me and Yusuf alluded to this in that in the post game of the Houston Rockets uh after after that victory he's like he, he doesn't even know how to play basketball like the, the, this once he figures it out mm-hmm. like he's going to be uh, unstoppable and that's when you the, the phrase Scratch just the tip of the iceberg gets thrown out so often. This is truly the case where it's you can worried. say Shaden is just at, at the at the tip of the iceberg because he really hasn't played organized that much organized ball. Mm-hmm. And his, you his shows... just
1: think if he played in Kentucky, well, we wouldn't have gotten him. But exactly
0: that's why you roll the dice, baby.
1: So I, I'm just looking at it. I'm thinking that in the future, I think that Shaden is going to have a really really good connection with Yusuf for I, what i
0: noticed that he 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 and yusuf already have a connection i see them talking as they go off the floor uh jeremy grant as well he's the one that you know has fed him a couple of times off the cuts so he already has a good uh, you know a good rapport with with his bigs and that's exactly what you want to see
1: but i'm um, i'm looking at it and it's like a it Shaden's eating off yusuf but yusuf's eating off Shaden because i was looking at it and like Yusuf's numbers skyrocket when he's on the court with Shaden, like goes up by twenty percent. Twenty, no, a lot more. So I think that there's gonna be a there's going to be that combo of like when we're trying to win games, Shaden's gonna be in there with Yusuf and and and, pro, and the two guards because you're not losing height with with Josh Hart if Shaden's the three, and then Jeremy Grant could be the like. We're, we're, we might be seeing the finishing five rotation here, but I, when I'm just looking at it with Shaden on the court, Yusuf Nurkic's shooting percentage goes up by
0: 20%. He's already starting to have a gravity, yeah. like the, the pull of him on the floor, because not only has he shown the ability to, to catch and shoot at a, at a deep distance, but if you don't keep your head on a swivel, he's going to cut. And you're gonna, you know, be in film session. Your coach is gonna say, "Why, why is this dude making a poster on her team?" Because you didn't watch what you were doing, right? Like, so when he had those two back-to-back plays, also shout out to Keon Johnson for hustling to to even throw that lob. That felt like two blazer moments that I that, that I can recall. One, I was on press row when Thomas Robinson just denied Corey Brewer at the rim. And then will barton uh went down for the finishing alley against the timberwolves and then the miracle minute i believe it was 2001 uh blazers and mavs when it was just like four consecutive alley between bonzi and pippen and sheed and they just blew dallas out of the gym like the energy in that arena like i was texting my mom i was like i wish i was there um you see drew eubanks with the stink face you see dame just like losing his absolute mind like the, the the excitement is finally back, and you know it's it's in large part due to this nineteen year old rookie.
1: Yeah, I. If we're just looking plain statistics, he's gonna be the. When Dame's out, Ant's gonna move up. Josh Hart's gonna move up. Use is gonna move up in like ball handling responsibility. I think that Shaden Sharp's gonna be our fourth guy. And maybe Keon, but I think Shaden's just going to have much more minutes on the court where I think this is going to be his growth, like the biggest growth development. When when he's asked to make decisions to set other people up, I think this is going to be where he gets a lot of experience because he's not going to have these these this responsibility when Dame's on the court because he, Dame is so... Alpha, but w- with Dame off the court, we just ha- everybody has to step up, and I think that this is the perfect time for Shaden Sharp to step up into a more responsible role. Like obviously, that like there is no other person, so it has to be Shaden. But he's going to be the third or fourth guy, so the the pressure isn't on him, but he has to make some responsible. He has to do some stuff that like is in need of of, of playmaking reps. So. It sucks that Dame's out, but it's early in the season, and we're dealing with teams that have had injuries. John Morant didn't play in the last game. DeAndre Ayton's out for a few weeks. Like, this is a good chance for us to earn wins, but give Shaden Sharp that all important playmaking reps.
0: He really reminds me of you know anybody who follows college athletics. You get that highly touted five star true freshman. And the coach is a little bit hesitant to put him in. You know, he's, Maybe he's got a veteran team, but the freshman just keeps showing more and more every game. And, and the upperclassmen know that he's coming. And they won't give him the reins right away. But I think as the season goes on, you're going to see him move up and up that pecking order uh, when it comes to usage or running plays. Because there's definitely... I noticed when I watch Shaden play that he's a little bit more reserved and willing to play a backseat role when he's starting. But when he's kind of in there with you know the Nasirs of and the Keons of the world, like that's when he kind he of takes to. charge. Yeah. So he still is trying to find his his spot in line. But I think as the season moves forward, you're gonna see him get a bigger piece of that pie because the the talent is just uh you can't deny it right right now. It, it's it's there. He he looks so comfortable. That that's just the best word Like he just looks comfortable out there, like nothing. Rattles him, you know the coach that he's must see TV. He definitely must see, t- like you. It's just incredible. I, I I don't I I tweeted we're watching in terms of Trailblazers history. We're getting to watch a modern day Clyde Drexler in terms of the the size and speed and highlight at every corner because Portland hasn't had a big guard that could do the things that Shaden could do since Clyde, and it, that's been. You know, a long time coming. And I, I think, you know, obviously there's Shaden, Nasir's getting out there, Keon's pushing it, ant has bounce. Uh, once GP2 get gets out um and healthy and is able to get, you know, on the court and make plays happen. You know, this this Blazer team is just really incredible and, and exciting to watch. You know, right now they're they're number two in fast break points, 19 fast break points per game. Like, I, I don't recall the last time that I've seen a Blazers team play like this, probably since the, the early 90s. And, and if you're wanting to draw parallels, you know, I look at the Oregon football program. That's a team I also follow. And you can look at the the coaching changes that, that they had in terms of stylistic style of play. Like Mario Cristobal had his success. There's no denying that. Uh, back-to-back Pac-12 titles. Two big time bowl games, a Rose Bowl win in January of 2020. But watching some of his teams play was like pulling teeth. You know, you you see, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, kind of playing with one hand tied behind his back. They were kind of cuffing him, not letting him shine. And then Dan Lanning steps in, and you're seeing more of what Oregon fans are used to: up tempo, airing it out, balanced attack, you know, more, more smart football you know, the the tradition that kind of Chip Kelly set for for the program. And by no means am I comparing what Mario Cristobal did to what Terry Stotts did and the Rise With Us Blazers and the Western Conference Finals runs that they made in 18 and 19. But I grew up with the Blazers running and gunning, finishing on the fast break, and we're seeing it again. So maybe it's nostalgia, maybe it's just what I love about the game, but I I really am enjoying watching this team play. Um it's th- there's just something about turning defense into offense and getting out. Like the fans had just another level of of emotion, of excitement. I mean, just look at the players. Like they were just going nuts. Like it's fun. It's it, it's a fun time to watch basketball
1: in in the city right now. So I'm just looking at numbers and yeah. Well, like right now we're, I think we're offensively in transition. We're at probably the best we'll be. But one thing that I noticed is we're pretty bad at transition defense.
0: Oh no, we're awful. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we, Cause we, we I was... have 19 fast break points, but we also give up. Uh, yeah. 19.5. So we're 27th in in opposing fast break points. So no, there, there's there's work to be done.
1: Yeah, because I, I was thinking like, yeah, we score. I, I feel like I feel like once there's more stats, we're gonna we're going to be like not we're going to be good, but not efficient at fast breaks. But man, when I watch it, I think that's the major. If we play a fast team, that put. That uh, goes in transition. It, it's bad. It's real bad. And luckily, like the team that beat us, the Miami Heat, is one of the slowest teams in the league. So we haven't really been exposed to like uh, the Charlotte Hornets or like one of the like the the Warriors, like one of those fast teams. Because our, our that transition defense is pretty pretty trash. But I, I, I if I had to make a a guess, I think we're like. 10 to 15 in fast break points at the end of the year, which comparing that to the past where we lost out on a lot of transition points. It's, it's pretty, a pretty huge improvement. I still think that Dame's going to play at his pace, but every time he's not on the court, I, if there's a, a transition opportunity, I think we take it with all of the, the horses that we have on our team, but. Yeah, the, the the transition game is where I think a lot of where we take the 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 good initial defense and turn it into offense it, it's pretty it's pretty awesome to see since we were such a risk-averse team for such a large part of Damien's career they just like let's take this chance we have we have the guys to do it like before like Lamarcus Lamarcus wasn't running no fast games. I mean and, I remember I was watching the team and like Alan Crabb was trying to run transition. I was like, bro, get back on defense, get back here, get this rebound. You're not doing anything with the ball. Just, just f- help gang rebound over here. But I mean, replacing those guys that are set shooters with athletic freaks, it's like, damn, we can do this. I still don't think we will do it in certain scenarios, but fast breaks right now is a real, real advantage for us.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of the, the opposition fast breaks are coming right with Portland turning over the basketball, you know, as we looked at this last week, you know, from the first three games, Portland was, um, 27th in the league They they were turning the ball over 17 times per game this week. They're a little bit better. They're only turning the ball over uh 16 times you know they've went up two spots in, in the in the standings the, the 25th Jesus. um in ranking so small small wins but you like to see them going in, in that direction again lower the turnovers that's the you know fewer amount of times the team's gonna be able to to run and gun on you right like so there are easier ways for the Blazers to kind of take care of the basketball and stop the opposing team from from getting out on the break Uh, but one thing, you know, I did want to talk about is I I was pretty worried that the, the assists, like how Portland was winning in those first three games, because they were dead last under 18 assists per game. However, you factor in these past three games, they're up to 26 and they're 21 assists per game. I think they had 30 assists in one of the, the performances. Um, I believe it was against the Denver Nuggets. Um, and that's just a good sign. You know, obviously, it we're six games into the season, but there are early trends that I know you are watching and I'm watching. So it's good to see that happening. Uh, I think one of the reasons the assists improved a little bit was was Anthony started to pass the ball a little bit better. You know, we were obviously concerned last week, seven assists to nine turnovers in the first three games. Well, if you look at these last three games, 12 assists. So we almost doubled his as assists seven turnovers two fewer turnovers um one thing that i noticed was during that just incredible hot streak against the denver nuggets um he wasn't forcing anything and everything was coming off of the catch and shoot and when he did get the ball he had an incredibly slick behind the back pass that led to free throws off of the curl um just beautiful so it is in there for simon's um i'm looking forward to seeing how he runs the offense uh when dame is out because sharing is caring you know like like we talk about with you you get him involved on the offensive end he's going to play better defense for you you get jeremy grant involved he's going to play better defense for you like you get everyone going so um great to see the blazers uh share the basketball
1: let me see something Wow. That's I. So I'm looking at potential assists, and I don't know what he was. Or, well, I can look. One sec. Anthony's averaging seven assist potential assists. Obviously, he's getting three point two assists a, a game. He's average. He's averaging seven potential assists, and that's a. I mean. When we first watched it, he was not really interested in playmaking. He was more interested in getting in his his shot. So let me look what his potential assists were before. But the him okay. So it, his potential assists were lower. But so he's actually made it. A, remember when we were talking about him not contributing and anything other than shooting. Well, he has broadened his assists up per game, which has been a very helpful thing. I think that he'll always be going for his first, but if he can just be a playmaker for other people, especially when he is our only legitimate point guard, it's going to make it easier for the team to succeed around him where we don't have to rely on that like special Anthony Simons I'm hot moment. If we can make it so the other players who are capable scorers can score, I think it will make it easier for, and it will put less pressure on Dame to want to come back earlier and so he can recover because those injuries, like it just takes time to heal. So let's let him take that time to heal in early season. Then, you know, what, if he rushes back, it could come back at us and hurt us later in the year. So if Anthony can keep up the potential assists and the actual assists, I think it's going to be good for the team. So I'm very, I I know last week we were kind of down on him and rightfully so for what we were seeing in that week. But in this week, he's definitely improved on the things that we asked of him with the playmaking because, I, I mean, dude was taking 20 shots a game and making five. So it was very inefficient. So now it, it, it's 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 better. So I'm I'm excited to see what in this next week with him knowing that he's going to be the guy, what he does in these in these games that are very winnable, especially if John Morant's still out and you know Dylan Brooks is recovering and JJJ is out. So there's a lot of good to be uh, to happen for the Blazers. It's just. What happens in this week without Damian Lillard? Since he's such a humongous part of this team,
0: yeah. Ant did. Uh, I mean, he's the modern day microwave. Like I, Michael Holton mentioned that. I was like, shit. This dude is the 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 new Vinny Johnson. Like it's, it's just incredible how fast he started to cook. That Denver game felt like a game Portland was never going to get over the hump. You look at the final score and you're saying, Dustin, what the hell are you on? Well, Denver was up by ten, and then Anthony Simons just had one of the best heat heat check sequences that, that, I, that I've ever seen. Uh, 22 points in like eight minutes, just catch and shoot threes, just completely nothing but the bottom of the net. And you look up at the score and Portland's up 15 and and they, they cruised a victory, a crucial victory over the, the rival Denver Nuggets. And then he kind of comes back and does the same thing against the Houston Rockets, a game in where, you might have expected Simons to put up 25 plus shots. He takes 20, but he hits 10. And it was really just a barrage in that second quarter where he went seven of eight from downtown. Everything in the flow of the offense, not a bunch of you know dribbling and isolation. It was a lot of you know quick decisions, which we want to see. If Anthony Simons never turns into a plus defender or a plus rebounder or that playmaker, like the overall, you know, well-rounded guard. As long as he takes shots within the offense, hits them out a high clip and can just be maybe a a, a prime Ben Gordon. I'll take it because he's where you don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is where you can't really live with, with Simons on the floor is if he's not contributing in other ways, but he's also kind of sucking the life out of the offense because he can be such a good offensive player And I think that's, if it is going to work with he and Dame, it's going to be balls in Dame's hands. Anfernee, you find a way to get open. Dame Dame will let you cook, clearly. I mean, Dame was crossing half court and he's just trying to find Ambrony in that Denver game. He he could not care less. Dame had 30 points in that game. You know, I think his third straight 30 plus performance, but he was like, no, my dude is cooking. I'm going to find him the ball. Another reason to absolutely, you know, be thankful that, that Dame is your, your franchise player because every play was just Simon's come off the curl, big man, set him the screen and he's, you know, rising and firing. And it, w- it was just kind of demoralizing for the Denver Nuggets. So big week for, for Anthony. I was happy to see it. Like clearly I want to see this kid succeed as do you Sage. So like when we're down on him, it's not because we enjoy it. It's just, we're kind of calling it like we see it. Like nobody has immunity on this this program like we we have to describe what, what we're seeing and he was not playing up to par so it was really great to see him break out of that shooting slump because if portland is to succeed while damian is out i think amperny is kind of player numero uno that is going to lead the way for for that to happen um and i still stand by i think he's the most important player to portland success because other players around the blazers dame nurk you kind of know what you're going to get josh hart jeremy grant but Anthony has the ability to swing that pendulum and we saw it in that denver game and if you get that type of simons you know the blazers may not be deep but but watch out they, they could really be a team that you just do not that you dread seeing on on your schedule and, and that starts i think with Anthony being um just an absolute marksman for, from the
1: perimeter so i'm thinking like there were times in that Phoenix game where they they basically kind of did like a box and one on Anthony when he brought up the ball. Do you see the Grizzlies and Suns employing that more so because Dame's not there to save him from getting in that trap? Because I kind of see that Memphis and Phoenix are smart teams, and they can they realize that we don't really have that secondary ball handler unless – Josh Harder, Shaden Sharps on the court. So do you think that he'll be able to handle the pressure that opposing teams put on him when he is the main guy? Because the Phoenix Suns trapped him at whenever the hell they wanted to. And it was a lot of rush mistakes. Do you think that the Suns and the Grizzlies are going to do that in the future? Or do you think since it's a regular season, they'll let him cook?
0: Well, Portland had a lot of success against Memphis last year. They were three and one against the Grizzlies. In the past, in the last two victories, uh, Dame was out and, and just went at the 56 win Memphis team. So I don't know if Memphis will implement that strategy. I don't think they have the horses to do it without Jaron Jackson uh, roaming around. Uh, and like you said, Zaire Williams is out, they've, they've got a bunch of of new pieces that really haven't played a lot of time together. So I I don't know if they have the defenders to, to make it happen
1: well they um, have uh, dylan brooks and dez could on that front side i don't know about if he gets by them i yeah, I know I, that they were just rushing through a lot of the show but i was just thinking about what the Suns did with their wings against against yeah, phoenix
0: is more equipped to do that you know chris paul's one of the smartest defenders campaign is a pest obviously you have all world mikhail. defender in in mikhail bridges um but I also think Phoenix is going to be hurting a bit too, that they're not going to have that anchor in the middle and DeAndre Ayton. So oh, they'll have the
1: God Jock Landau.
0: Or they started Bismack Biombo tonight against Houston. Uh, so there will be success if Portland is able just to, and what I would do is I would have Jeremy Grant come over to the top of the key and be that decision maker. Like you brought him over, he can dribble, pass and shoot. And then obviously you've got cutters and heart and, and shade sharp. And then you know Nurk should be able to eat against that front line. So if Phoenix wants to, Portland it would behoove Portland to easily you know come up with a scheme to to break it because it's not like it's a, a, a something brand new that nobody's ever seen before, right? Like if they want to take Anthony Simons out of the game, that's that's I think fine by me because Portland has if if they do strategically beat it and, and scheme against it, they there there's gold at the rim. And mm-hmm. they've they've shown this year that they're willing to attack the rack and, and dump it in the Um, but I think Phoenix is probably more equipped to do it. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if they'll do it in both games because it's a it's an interesting back to back scenario where it's almost like a mini playoff where Portland has already seen Phoenix once, Phoenix has already seen Portland once. Now you're playing twice in in consecutive nights, so there's a lot of tape. There's a lot of an- 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 anecdote, anecdotally ev- evidence, excuse me. So you can kind of go off of things. It's going to be, it's going to be fun because it's not just like fifth game and seven nights we're playing another team in some other arena and you're just going to roll out the ball. No, both of these coaches, especially with Portland having this break right now, uh, Portland should be aware of what Phoenix is going to try to do. Um, But I want to ask you a question and this is about the other side of the basketball uh, on defense. Uh, the coaching staff has been using Jeremy Grant to defend the opposing point guard primarily. Um I'm not sure how I feel about that. W- what do you feel about that? Because they, they put him on Kyle Lowry, for example, in the, in the Miami game and it just didn't make a, an ounce of difference. And I kept seeing Anthony get posted up by Jimmy Butler. And I'm like, wait, why, why isn't Jeremy Grant, you know, guarding, you know, Jimmy Butler. So
1: I think that was a that bad strategy? use of assets because yeah, Kyle Lowry does isn't, Kyle Lowry is the point guard of the program that you hand out to the fans. He's not the point guard of the Miami heat, but I I think that they would have found a way to put Jimmy Butler on ant regardless of, I I mean, they, they attacked that ant matchup in that game. I think in a regular game, we don't have Gary Payton in the second. So what is Roy Rogers to do with two good defense, two good defenders at best on this, on the team? Um, you have to just dis- you have to use your 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 assets correctly. I think the Miami Heat game it was not used because Kyle Low- like Kyle Lowry actually had a pretty a good game to his standards on this team. He was hitting threes. He was he was making decisions. He was like the kind of the 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 engine on defense. He was doing a lot of steals, getting into dirty places. Like he was having a good game, and Jeremy Grant was on him. So if it was me, I would have put Jeremy Grant on, on either Hero or uh, Butler, and had Hart. Or honestly, I don't even think Anthony Simons would get exposed on Kyle. This version of Kyle Lowry, because it, it, this is not the Toronto Raptors Kyle Lowry. This is somebody that's put has a lot of tread on those tires. The 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 championship run, all those deep playoff runs where they choked, that puts a lot of tread on his tires. So if it was me, I would have put him on, on somebody. I mean, Cody Martin was their best player for the first three quarters. Like, I, it, I think it was a bad use of assets on that team to, since we only have two. Bam hasn't been himself this year. Jimmy Butler wasn't really Jimmy Butler until like the last quarter of that uh, that third quarter. Cody Martin and though and the the clutch shooting was really killing us so I don't know man like I think we got kind of the physicality of the Miami heat kind of got us in that second half where they of course Dame's injury hurt but we were getting punished by that team over and over and over again and I think that we just kind of got affected by it because they were getting like, I don't think that they did anything that was out of sorts for them. They hit threes. They took it to the rack. That's what they do. That's their DNA. And it's going to be physical and dirty the entire way. I think that we weren't ready for that challenge against that physical of a team.
0: So you mentioned Miami hitting threes. And this is something that I wanted to ask you as well. Um, Portland's three point defense, the first three games, uh, only allowing 31.7% from, from from downtown. The last three games, Denver, Miami, and Houston, Portland is allowing 38.3% from, from distance. Basically similar sample size in terms of games and attempts. So my question for you is, Portland's three-point defense, was that a product of the opposition in the first three games? Or is it fool's gold defense or is it just too damn early to tell because we're only six games in and there's plenty more sample size
1: to fill out. So let, let's talk about the games. The first three games were the Lakers who were just tragically bad, but the Kings and Suns have shooters. Yeah, but we let De'Aaron Fox have a lot of open shots that he happened to miss and he's been shooting really well. <laughs> I feel like, in that Miami Heat game where we got exposed the most, they were running multiple actions to get Struess or Duncan or Tyler here open, and we fell for it. So that kind of makes me feel like this is just the the irregular Blazers. I believe that the po- like the pen- defending penetration from guards has gotten a lot better, but I think that the if you run multiple actions to get that shooter open, whether it be hero or Duncan or Struce, I think that we, it goes to so many switches and I don't think this team's played enough together to know what happens on that third rotation. So maybe it gets better on when we, uh, when we've played together for like a year, if we, if this team stays around for a year. So I, I, I don't, I I think that it's going to be a problem for a while like you, you remember those Spurs teams that just knew where everybody was going. It, that's going to take a long time to, for us to handle or to become, so I don't. I I think the three point shooting is going to be the most difficult part of it. And there's teams like Miami that were hunting it. Bam Adebayo was trash. He was setting screens for Max Drews to get a one dribble pull. So yeah, Gabe Vincent being going off didn't help
0: either. Mm-hmm. It, yeah Miami's only has two wins on the year so it's not like they're playing good basketball
1: no um, I mean they, Bam out of being that bad this entire year negatively affecting so I I I think that we just were' not ready for the physicality of Miami because they come in to fight they come in to be dirty you guys have match-ups, not...
0: matchups just you know we haven't beat the Miami heat since 2017 2018 like they just have our number it doesn't matter who they roll out there. Eric bolstra It's that gets, culture. Yeah. They have a team built around a lot of shooting and smart basketball is gonna give us give us fits. Um, because I, I really thought Portland played extremely well defensively against Denver. I mean, holding Jokic to under double digit uh points. Nurk didn't foul uh it was probably the best I've seen him play against Jokic since wishing him a happy summer in, in 2017. Like, so it's been a long time since we've seen Yusuf get the better of, of the Joker. And so I do want to acknowledge the the good defense that is being played, but I I do that Miami game. We, we just could not get stops and the game kind of, you know, went from us being up seven to Miami being up seven to nine. Then, you know, Dame went out and it was like, okay, like this, this one's not happening tonight. And clearly there's 82 games, not going to win them all. Wasn't Portland's night, but Miami was getting a lot of good looks and you can't oh, let yeah. a good shooting team get good looks. They're going to sooner or later, they're going to start dropping for them. And also you go to Houston, like that game should have been over, but you have players like, you know, Knicks, um just keeping them in the game with threes. Eric Gordon had a ton of threes and, and I get it. That's what they want to do. They want to shoot threes. They're not going to post up, but you know they still got some good looks as well. But as long as Portland is putting more points up on the board, taking good shots on the other end, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm not going to complain about a 15-point victory. But the three-point line is what kept Houston respectable uh in that contest.
1: I, I just think that multiple actions in that offense is gonna confuse us. And it doesn't matter if it's multiple actions to get a drive or multiple actions to get a three-point shot. We just haven't played together enough to know what everybody is comfortable with. And when Gary Payton comes back, if Gary Payton comes back before Dame, do you really think that our defense is going to improve automatically? I think it's going to take time for this defense to become authentically good. I think that we've taken advantage of situations like DeAndre Ayton throwing a bajillion turnovers off the short roll or and Russell Westbrook not being a good fit for this team, and we got wins off of that. I don't think that in the later year that's going to happen as much. So we have to we have to play together more for us to actually learn. Like I I, I definitely see when Gary Payton comes back, he's such a big part of the defense that our numbers are going to go down for a while and then they'll magically go up because we will learn how to play with Gary Payton. Like how many did Gary Payton play a single uh, preseason game?
0: No, he has not played the moment in the Blazers jersey yet.
1: Yeah. So like you can't put a guy like Gary Payton, like just think of Gary Payton wants to go eat uh, full court press, but the four other guys have never played with them before. What are the, they the, I know that it's all about improv, but I think that with Gary Payton, we're going to struggle a bit before we ride the ship. So I, 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 I think that in this year, there's going to be times of really competent defense, mm-hmm. some really bad defense and then confident bat. Like it's going to be a, a it's going to be like a rolling ship of where are we at defensively with the newness of the roster, the injuries, the recovery and then them finally being themselves. So I think we have to be patient with the defense. As long as there's effort being put in even on the first rotation or the second rotation, that that's good with me. Like we with that defense last year, we were happy with initial good defense. If we can push it to one rotation where we're confident, that's a dub cuz we we've, we've been so bad at it. Small improvements are going to be fine with me, but I think that we're outside of transition. We're a fine defense, but we, if you put that transition defense in, we're it, it might be a little bit scary for teams that like to push it for us.
0: So, an NBA question for you: There's a lot of parity this year. I couldn't tell you who is going to win the championship. Is the NBA gotten just significantly more deep, or is it just you know early season action? where teams really don't know better. I mean, just just looking at the standings, you have a lot of disappointments. The 76ers are three and four. The Heat are two and five. The Nets are one and five. You have Dallas at 500. Golden State, three and four. The Clippers, two and four. The Lakers are one and five. But then you look at, there's a lot of surprises. Who would have thought right now, San Antonio and Utah would be five and two. That Portland would be five and one uh it's it's just some exciting I think times in in the league when a lot of the the preseason predictions are kind of already up on their heads like it's flipped around do you think that's just a product of us being two weeks into the season or do you really believe there's a lot of parity in this league I think there's some
1: I think that for the Clippers they don't give a shit right
0: are you concerned about Kawhi though? I mean, that's yes, that. I think. Yes, I am
1: completely concerned about Kawhi. Okay, I agree with that. Be, uh, but uh, oh, you want to know what's real? I think Reggie Jackson's washed. But
0: but if if Kawhi really is ha- still yeah, yeah. feeling, they're they're done. They they are toast if Kawhi
1: is not hundred percent. Well, I mean, like
0: they the just State, play three with,
1: four. What what's their excuse? They're
0: playing their guys.
1: Like I, I who are you? Who did you ask about? Because I think the Clippers just don't care. I they said just,
0: Golden State's three oh, and four, like, and they're playing. The, they just lost to the, the Hornets and the Pistons on the road. Like,
1: God, I haven't watched, you know, I only watch bad teams. Um, uh, the Nets have, Nets are the worst defensive team I've ever seen. Well,
0: clearly the Nets have off the court issues that are distracting that franchise. So I understand that. But one in five is like, holy shit.
1: I think that for certain teams they're going to positively regress, and then for some of the teams, I'm fucking. If I was a fan of the team, I'd be worried. I think the Lakers suck. Yes, but like if I'm the Clippers, I re- I look at it. They made a commitment to resting Paul George, and 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 uh, f- like they've cha- they've changed their their ideals on some things, and that's gonna just take a while. For them to accept the changes and roll with it, I think they're the best coached and have the deepest roster. I mean, shit, Norman Powell sometimes doesn't even start. Like when you have a, a roster of that deep and that good of talent, I am worried about Kawhi because of he was playing well in those games that he played. Then he had the the, the then they rest him. So I, I like the Clippers confuse me, but I think they'll get it together lakers are pretty trash i think the warriors will get it together because they're just so smart but i am worried about clay thompson in terms of shooting he has not been shooting the ball well like wiggins is their second best player right now um of course jordan Poole can pop off clay can even pop off he just hasn't had that opportunity yet to really score well so i, I again like if, if, if i'm the Sixers just need to pick up the pace too. They're just so damn slow. I was him. about to say, if, if you're, I'd be worried about Philly. I wouldn't. I think that how well James
0: closing fast.
1: I think you just want that to happen.
0: No, I, I don't think Harden is the player that he was in Houston.
1: Are you looking at? Have you watched James yet? He's killed it. Yeah, yeah he's been three and great. four. What? They're terrible. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're but the, like, Joe, like, I, I, I'm not really worried about them because. Jojo's. If Jojo doesn't get better, then I'm worried about him. But I trust that Joel Embiid will actually get in shape. He's he he came in out of shape. I think that Tyrese Maxey that, that that just
0: again minutes. that that only further cements that I think their window is closing. If if you haven't been to the, the pinnacle and you're supposedly this MVP candidate and you thought you should have won it last year and you're coming in out of shape like that, that well, is well, it's because he he
1: has a he had a nagging foot injury.
0: Get on up, you know shit.
1: Get in shape, dude. But I, I, I like I cannot blame James Harden for those losses.
0: Okay, I, I'm just saying. I Philadelphia is a team that I just everyone always talks about how great of an offseason they had, and I was like, sorry, D'Anthony Melton and PJ Tucker don't do it for me. Tyrese Max, the other hand,
1: is yeah, yeah. Well, and fuck Philadelphia with the they just play with the fucking injury report, just like the Clippers do. Um Yeah, like you're supposed to get the, sh- the injury report out at three r time shit went out at four Oh one, which means lineups locked. So your boy had to do like a whole bunch of calculations before they actually played to make up for Jojo being out and Melton being in. I don't. I, yeah. I mean, what surprises me about is the jazz, like how they're winning despite Colin Sexton playing limited minutes, despite, uh, by Conley actually playing meaningful minutes and back-to-back games, Lowry market and playing like a goddamn Kelly, Olynyk. Kelly. I think Kelly O is a good player. He just gets hated on, but I yeah. think like legitimately he's a good player. I mean, our boy Walker Kessler actually playing minutes,
0: but the Spurs have beaten the wolves twice. Like if I'm Minnesota, I'm low key freaking out too. You got Carl, think, Anthony, uh, well, you have Carl Anthony Towns calling out Anthony Edwards diet. Uh, Post game to the to the media, like.
1: Have you watched how trashy is defensively?
0: No, I, I just it's, it's... I I only have time to watch the Blazers and
1: so some... he 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 um, like. Well, he's playing one, the four.
0: He's not a four.
1: No, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't even try to be a four. Like, obviously, Gobert's going to try and do his best to make up for Carl Anthony Towns' lack of defense, but it doesn't even look like he try. Like, he's not even in the right area code on some of these plays where he gets exposed so yeah i i don't think the grizzlies are i mean i don't think the timberwolves are that good i knew it was a an animal that's why i got (laughs) confused
0: (laughs) um last or uh, two more nba questions for you so adam silver recently said the teams uh, the nba is going to be monitoring teams for tanking will nba teams be on their best behavior this year or when do you think they're gonna start to tank because i can already tell you i bet danny ainge is uh scared shitless that his team's five and two i bet the spurs are wondering what the hell's going on there five well, you saw
1: the devon Cells out like i mean I'm, honestly if i'm a if i am an nba fan you tell the clippers stop fucking rest, uh, tactically tanking those rest days i don't give a shit like I expect the Spurs to be bad. I expect eventually Devin Vassell's greatness is going to wither away, and he will be the Devin Vassell that we know and love. He's putting up amazing numbers. John- Keldon's doing really well. Keldon
0: Johnson is just killing it. But like, I look at OKC and they're having big wins, and Shea Gildas Alexander is just hooping. But
1: well, it's because Giddy's
0: out. But still, like, they're gonna pull Shea Gildas after the All Star break, and it's like. If and I agreed with what Portland did last year, like make no m- mistakes about it, like no ifs, ands, or buts, Portland did the right thing. My my thinking is Adam Silver needs to get the league on the same page. So one team shouldn't be able to do it and the other team should. Like, either teams are going to do it or, or it's just not going to be allowed and it's truly going to go to the worst team. Because if you're still playing you know, your best players or, you know, giving younger guys a little bit more run that and you're losing. That's fine. That just means you have a shit team and you probably should deserve the number one overall pick. But it's not who can stomach getting blown out by 30 for, you know, all of winter to, to get the number one pick. Like, that's not why or who is deserving of it. So I mean, I'm like, i the it Pacers right are ta-
1: ta- tactically tanking already, like taking Tyrese uh, Halliburton out in clutch or like not playing him the correct amount of minutes per game. I, I I think that it it tanking starts when the NBA itself makes improvements to the draft process. Because right now, if you're a middling team, the best thing for you to do is tank. Until you make it so that isn't going to be incredibly rewarded, that's what the best thing to do if you're middling or bad is to tank. Yeah. And they, the, they they need to flatten out the odds. I think they almost need to go back to where it was. But it, if I'm a fan of a team, I'm going to be upset that Paul George is quote-unquote sick and not playing when he's perfectly fine doing windmills in the in the layup lines. That's where I would be upset. I don't really care if the Spurs who I think are going to be bad cuz Trey Jones is their only point guard on the team. Like that I kind of understand, but the 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 load management that is like Legitimately crazy, like the. I I agree that some players need to be, that need players need to have rest days, but it does like. You shouldn't rest for like five days and play one day, then be on on your break because you're so good. Use your
0: practice to rest, playing the games. That's what I think. I I mean, if they're going to keep raising ticket prices, and you're going to be raking in the the dough on these, you know, cable contracts. Use the practice to to you know, to rest or play a half a game like the NBA is an entertainment league. It's it's really nothing without people going through the gates, people buying the merch. I'm not going to buy merch of a player who plays, you know, in 40 games, Sage, like the, And I I, think,
1: I I get it on the opposite side, like the Clippers need to protect Kawhi.
0: Sure. I mean, if he's legitimately hurt, I, I agree. But you're with Paul George, like he could rest in practice and play a game. Like, like he...
1: the 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 reason they're so uh they've lost so many games was Paul George and Kawhi and John Wall were all out and it was Norman Powell taking fucking twenty shots and going one for twenty from three. I had money on, <laughs> on Norman Powell that day. I just... but like I I think that the NBA itself needs to fix things before the teams need to fix things because it's so dramatically. Skewed that if you're middling tank and comp- protect your assets, if you're the Clippers are a good team, protect them so that you that you can be they can be a playoff team. So the NBA itself has to fix things before I yeah hold the, the, that the NBA definitely
0: does because uh, losing should not be rewarded and, and right now uh it is. Uh, I'm definitely glad Portland took advantage of the situation though. So don't hold me hostage. There. Last question before we get into the predictions. Uh this rookie class has been fantastic so far. Uh Paulo Bancaro, uh Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin, Shaden Sharp, uh just doing wonderful things. Uh I think surprising a lot of people. I don't think it's probably surprising us because we did, you know, so much uh kind of scouting on this class. But what has been your biggest rookie surprise so far?
1: Paulo being this good. I mean, you look at the, the magic as a team and you assume that Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs is going to be the usage monster, but it has been Paulo all the way. Like how he is has his a, defense. Doesn't matter when he's your offense.
0: No, it it, it does. Like how how is, is it, I'm just curious how, how is his defense? Has it been I haven't watched a single, I've just seen stats. Let's look.
1: Um, I haven't watched enough to say like to use my eyes to say, but statistically, yeah, he's a fine defender. Okay, that's just but that, like that, he, that he holds a high I mean. usage rate. He holds a high assist rate. He hold, he rebounds really well. He's playing the best ball we've I've ever seen of him. So Paulo is definitely the rookie of the year in my eyes. Like. There's no way Shaden can get to where he is with the amount of the ball in his hands that Paulo's getting. Um, Benedict Mathern's putting on a show with, in, like, the seventh man role. Um, Jabari has – I think Jabari is legitimately a center in this league, and I think that it's going to be Jabari and then uh, uh, Alperin Sangoon being the, his direct backup. I, 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 the worries I had of him being too small to be the five. I mean, I think he's an ideal with the same issues JJJ does, but I think right now he is a center. I feel so
0: bad that he got drafted by Houston. It's just such a poor situation for him. Those two guards couldn't, couldn't find an open player. If it was right in front, like, the amount of chucking that Jalen Green and Kevin Porter
1: Jr do mm-hmm. well then like, who, who's the adult besides Eric Gordon who you know is't yeah, a good leader
0: yeah he wants out of there as soon as possible like I just I I I went back and I looked at our mock draft and I we had Paulo going there
1: and I think I Paulo like, would have been fine there and I was
0: like oh, that's I feel bad for him like if he would have went there because
1: There's no way Jabari would have... I think Pacers or the Pistons would have been his best bet, right?
0: You you need someone to set up your big man.
1: Tyrese or Cade would have been perfect for
0: that. I mean, Jalen's fine. KPJ's fine. I think together, it's not a good fit. They need someone who looks to pass first rather than, you know, shoot first, pass maybe. Um, Yeah, that was just a a question for me. That that was my... I'm
1: happy that Tari Eason's finally getting some run. I think that outside of Apollo, there were l- a lot of warts compared. I don't think it was, I think uh, the depth is great. I don't think that there was as much top end talent in that, like this next draft is going to have two super duper stars. I don't think Paulo might get there offensively, but he's never going to get there defensively, it's but the I think same there was maybe what's up. Okay. Same shirt. Well, in his current in his current role, he's not going to be a super duper star. Well, he will be, just wait. But it, it, things need to happen. I, I, I if, if how do you feel about Keegan Murray? For, uh...
0: I think he is a, a he's he's a really good player. I don't think he's a, has the ceiling of Shaden Sharp, but I think... no no
1: no 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 because Kaziak Paula started above him for the. Because First he had,
0: he was out for a while for COVID.
1: Even when he was playing, KZ was start. He had the 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 spot start. I think that Keegan Murray is going to make it so Harrison Barnes is very available to a team, because Harrison Barnes has taken the biggest ha- haircut out of De'Aaron Fox playing well, so Sabo's playing well, and Keegan Murray taking it that that exact spot in the rotation. So, us saying that Keegan Murray is kind of Harrison Barnes like. I think is a very true statement with the team. Um, I mean, but I'd
0: love Keegan Murray on this Blazers team. I'm not going to lie. It's maybe, maybe in a few years when he can become a free agent,
1: give me Harrison Barnes. I think he's still a good player, but like it, it it's an interesting, it, it's an interesting draft class. Obviously. I think that Wimby and scoot are going to be light years ahead of where Paulo and, uh, hopefully chet plays but like i I, (sighs) yeah i I think i
0: think Shaden needs to be mentioned that with these players the way i was saying that Shaden's in the uh, like we're talking about a 19 year old who is just really and i it's more of just the the eye test for me like he just looks comfortable out there six six so he's got ideal size for his uh position um I'm just excited for this draft class. I I think it's, I think the draft, I think the, the year of the really shitty drafts are are gone. Like, I think there's always
1: going to be depth.
0: Yeah. The players are just too talented. We're not going to have another draft like 2000 when there's one Mm. serviceable player that comes out of it. Like every year it's like, Oh, this is a, this is the the goat draft. It's like, you know, they, they thought 2014 was that draft and it was Wiggins and Jabari Parker didn't happen. Then you get drafts. Like 2013, and there's depth. Kelly Olynyk, CJ McCollum, Stephen Adams, what Giannis friggin' onto the Kumpo. So it just do your scouting. You're going to find gems. Um, I it, mean, it, there's
1: it, always going to be those guys like Xavier. There's going to be guys like Xavier Tillman coming all the time. The amount of skill that's coming with the M in, in college and high school right now has just never been higher. Teams are finally pee, training Xavier? players, right? What do you have to pee? I have to pee so bad. I drank. You're rocking uh,
0: back and forth. Just go pee.
1: Okay. I've been, I had fun for dinner. No, (laughs) let's get into these
0: uh, predictions. The Blazers uh, close out their road trip Wednesday against the the Memphis Grizzlies. And then this week, they start a six game road trip with back to back contests against the Phoenix Suns uh, Friday and Saturday night in the Valley of the Sun. Uh, so really only two games uh, to talk about. And when we predict the the Phoenix series, you just give me a say two wins, two losses, a win and a loss. We're not going to predict the actual date of the game. So keep that in mind uh, to look at the standings. Nothing changed. We both went two and one last week. I am four and two on the season. You are three and three uh, Memphis Portland, maybe without Josh Hart. Uh, he was diagnosed with a concussion in that game against Houston, um, you mentioned Memphis being banged up a little bit as well. Uh, yeah, John Morant was
1: out; he was yeah. sick. So I don't. I assume he'll be back.
0: Definitely no Damian Lillard, but I think we we should expect a fun contest. It is going to be nationally televised on ESPN, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Portland went three and one against a team that won fifty six games last year so they've they've clearly clearly found a way to score and defend this against this memphis uh franchise they're going to be without their one of the best defensive players in the nba and jaron jackson jr they do have a lot of new faces uh they have a rookie or a second year player his name is, is Santi. um i watched him play a little bit do you want my help altador altador I knew it started with an A. Yeah. Uh, they're they're playing friggin' John Conchar. Legitimate, mean,
1: minutes. Legitimate, legitimate minutes. Legitimate
0: minutes. Yeah, um, does yeah. gonna be a fun game.
1: Um, uh, really Aldama's legitimately good. He looks decent. Yeah, he looks yeah. solid. Um, he gets his rebounds. He gets his points. Like he's, I know that I talk about this, but like he he is a fantasy point a minute every time he plays. So he it means he's very into the game. I mean, he's. I has my precious boy Xavier Tillman played much. I don't. I. No. I think it's been Obama time with them. Um. I mean, if we're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies with Dylan Brooks healthy, keep
0: Ja Morant out of the paint. That, that
1: that's got to be. I mean, I hope Dylan Brooks just remembers all the good times in Oregon and says, "You know what, Ja? Chill out. I'm gonna take these shots because." The thing that we talked about when we were talking Western Conference and I brought up Dylan Brooks is he loves some Dylan Brooks. So that that double-edged sword of having the highest confidence possible in yourself, sometimes you act like you do and take a lot of shots. See, He's really inefficient and when he's in the the game, the Grizzlies actively get worse on the court because he takes shots away from Desmond Bain. He takes shots away from John Morant. Um, But he's playing more and more minutes. So he probably is going to edge out Conchar and it's in a Desmond Bain has been really inefficient except for one game where he was like seven for eight. So I, I, if, if the Grizzlies just have say Ja run ragged on this team, I don't think there's much we can do because they're the, they've given John ja Morant so many shooters around him. Desmond Bain had, yesterday or the two days ago, he had a higher three points prop than Steph Curry did. That's how much Vegas thinks he, how good of a shooter Desmond Bain is. So, I mean, you, you obviously can't let ja just get 60 on us, but with the, the perimeter defense and I feel like Yusuf has to stay out of foul trouble. Number one in this game with John Morant, rack attacking, and then you can't let Dylan Brooks or, uh, or uh, Desmond get going from three. So it's going to be a lot of communication on the defensive end. Like if John Morant drives, and I think that especially with Nasir, there was like on drives, he's like a hundred percent going to contest the drive. And then there's like a 20% chance he gets back to contest the shooter. I think with this game, you can help, but there has to be a hundred percent certainty off that help that you get back to that corner shooter. You have to be on point with this team because they hit you in so many different waves of defense and uh, of shooting, driving, wonderful pulls. This team is very deadly. If we are not on our p's and q's defensively, it's going to be disastrous. So how do you think that the Blazers are going to play defense against John Morant and Desmond Bain and, Dylan Brooks. I mean, this
0: is going to be a game where probably going to come. It could come down to who has the ball last right or who's just hitting their shots because you've got um, a team in Memphis who's first in league and scoring at over 120. But they're 27th in defense, uh, nearly giving up 122 per game. So if Portland is able to take good shots on offense get to the free throw line win that free throw battle keep memphis off the free throw line what portland has had so much success doing so far this year controlling the tempo um make no mistakes about it you're, you're gonna give up points to, to this memphis team but you could win it you could theoretically win a shootout uh, against memphis especially at home they have to play at utah again tomorrow before finishing their final game of the road trip in Portland on wednesday so we this win the rest game,
1: we were we were in rest but yeah
0: there's all this is also a game where if nurkic isn't effective or if memphis pulls stephen adams early he did not play a ton in that utah game where we could see maybe a carbon copy of that sacramento game where portland goes small with justice winslow uh really playing that five and uh just really trying to switch everything on this memphis team if if i'm looking at portland's Clearly it's Anthony Simons to carry the load on offense. But I think this is a time for Jeremy Grant to really assert himself. You're going up against a second year player going up against a very young front line. Mm-hmm. They don't have the bodies to, to stop him with uh, the strength or the or the quickness. Um, this could be a really big breakout night for Jeremy Grant, but if Portland wins, I think it's a balanced attack where you probably get 20, 25 from Simons and then 15 from basically every other. Yeah. Yeah, I I think Portland wins. Um, They're playing really well at home. They like Miami has Portland's number. Portland tends to have uh, Memphis's number as of late. And they're just, they're not the same team defensively. Like this isn't grit and grind uh, Memphis anymore. So um I'm of the mind that either you let Jaw get 60 and you clamp it on everybody else, or you flip it. You you just you can't let Jaw and everybody else eat. Like it's got to be one or the others. Um, you know, got you got you to take away something that they do. And I tend to agree that I I want to defend that arc. You don't want to give Bain and Brooks the, those looks. That's where Portland really uh, got hammered against uh, Miami. So. You know, just do a good job. Make Jaw take tough shots. Wear him out on both ends of the floor. Make yeah, it has believe. to be a pick and roll
1: game. Yeah,
0: so that's 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 what I think. I think Portland picks up the W.
1: I, I mean, one team has the MVP candidate. One team's MVP candidate is uh, and um, one
0: team has Shaden fucking Sharp. So
1: I'm I, I unfortunately I'm going with the Memphis Grizzlies this game because nice.
0: I get to pick up another uh, game on you. I
1: like that. I'm not going to win this picking the same as you, but I honestly, I mean like Memphis is a quality team, so it is no. double suns. Double suns. So we'll just obviously
0: uh take a look at one of the games, but
1: it, it is it, it is a home typical. and home.
0: Yeah. They're they're both in Phoenix. This is oh, the, the third.
1: Solo.
0: Yeah, this is the third time um, Portland is going to be facing the Suns in the first nine games. Um Obviously, DeAndre Ayton is going to be out. They have started Bismack Biombo in his place with Jay Crowder still not playing. They don't have a lot of size up front. It's it's really, and I believe Sarge is still on the mend. He did not play in that first game uh in Portland uh against uh the Trailblazers. So that they could go small as well unless they want to play a lot of jock landell i
1: don't think monty is ever going to go small
0: no and i don't and think I that's him think it, without deandre Ayton, chris paul is negated somewhat too because we saw in that home opener they had a lot of success in that third quarter running a uh, short pick and roll with Ayton and paul and portland really didn't have have an answer for that but the the drop off from Aiton to Biambo or Landell is significant and Portland can adjust accordingly. Um, if if I'm the Blazers, uh, I really just try to hope, you know, Devin Booker doesn't have a big night. He had, I think, 33 that first contest. This will be interesting to see where the coaching staff puts Shaden Sharp on defense. Is he going to start out on Mikhail Bridges or are they going to say, we trust you. you. You you get to go guard, you know, Devin Booker. You know, this this is really uh, a high bar test for Definitely. a player who compares himself to Devin Booker. You know, Shaden Sharp earlier in interviews is like, you know, every time he asked who he compared himself to, it was Book and Bradley Beal. So this, you know, Shaden Sharp is excited for this this matchup. It's a player he clearly admires. Um, he didn't have the best of performances in that home opener. He was just 0 for 2. But now he's going to get more runs. so it, it'll be interesting to see. It, it's kind of similar in the way to Memphis, where Portland has an advantage up front. Jeremy Grant, uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, you know, Yusuf I, has I,
1: to have a big game every every game this week. If he, if he doesn't have a big game, we lose. I think. Yeah, because you have to dominate. I, 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 this is Portland. You have to dominate bismarck Biyombo. You have to dominate
0: even without Aiton, the the Phoenix games are are Portland's toughest uh, of the season just because they're coming back to back they're they're in Phoenix you know the, the Suns are undefeated at home so far this year
1: i it's, looked at the rotations they did not play a minute without one of bismack or jock and I, I, I think
0: that anything. benefits portland
1: yeah cuz then you don't then you feel like Yusuf could if he is not in foul trouble he should play 35 minutes.
0: And honestly, I know I talked a little bit of shit uh about him in in person during that game but I kind of fuck with Drew Eubanks right now. Like I love He, the he has that
1: Cody Zeller hustle, right? <laughs>
0: he's Cody Zeller with actual uh mobility. Uh, no no disrespect yeah. to Cody, but but Drew is he's moving around, he's hustling, he's he's keeping possessions alive. He's just kind of uh, you know,
1: Garbage it's, pail man,
0: garbage. Yeah, exactly. Blue collar brings his lunch pail, and he gets really excited when 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 good things happen. And you need those type of teammates around. So
1: I would. Uh, here, here's the deal. I, I don't think we've ever been mean on this podcast. Oh uh, no, not Jock Oh, I just called him Jock Landau. So maybe I am mean to him, but I'm, we've never said anything bad about Drew Eubanks. Because of how much money he makes, it's just not even it's, worth it's it. It's
0: the Carmelo Anthony theory. Remember how we? Yes,
1: yeah, definitely. Like I'm not going to diss somebody making million, million dollars.
0: Yeah, and that's why you're probably a little bit more critical about Anthony Simons making 25 mil. Like there's salary cap ramifications when it comes to performance. Um, this is going to be a test, and I think if Portland can escape with a split they feel really good about themselves heading into this road trip and where they can be as a team. Like obviously the five and one start um, is, is a feel good, but it's a marathon and, and not a sprint. They've got a lot of games to go and as quickly as it can turn good. It can turn sour just as fast and nothing in the NBA makes things, you know, go out of date quicker than a lengthy road trip. And that's what Portland is, you know, staring down right now. So I think it is incredibly important for the Blazers to take one of these two from, from the suns.
1: It's really imperative because it, I mean, if we tie, I mean, tiebreakers are a thing, bro. So if we can steal one from them, it's huge in that sense, and obviously every win it matters, and this team is supposed to be a, a in that elite bunch. So if we can get out of the th- first three games in nine days, if we can get two out of three, that's a pretty big deal.
0: It's a confidence booster too.
1: Yeah, yeah like I, I I I think we I think we steal one. Yeah, but it's going to be hard fought throughout the whole time. I, I don't I don't think Philadelphia. I, wow me i don't think phoenix is gonna want a dameless portland trailblazers team coming into their arena and stealing a win so it's gonna be a hard-fought game throughout the uh the, the those two games but it, yeah i think i, we I get think one.
0: portland splits as well i i think yusuf has a monster night and simon's goes off and i think that'll be enough to to, to beat the suns uh at least one time um so there we have it. Sage, you have the Blazers going one and two. I have them going two and one. Um, Let's wrap
1: this bad boy up. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Everywhere you get your podcast, Holy Backboard is on. If you like us, sub to us. Tell your friends about us. We love you. And I'm really honored to have people talk about, like, not even the games, but, like, our conversations before we actually start the show, like how they like the hip hop that we talk about or whatever, like that, that makes this, this eight year journey really worth it to have people say that, like they'd like us and, you know, listen to us more or just found us and really enjoy us. So thank you to all the listeners. Um We will be back next week and maybe I won't have to pee 75% way through it, but uh, betting numbers would say I do pee. So Uh, But thank you to everybody. Uh, We'll be back next week. Peace. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go.